Hi, I'm Christina. And I'm Andrew. Welcome to the WTF Podcast. If you're thinking, what the fuck? You're in the right place. But here, we talk about walking towards fear, straight into the heart of discomfort. Welcome to our journey as we hike the Pacific Crest Trail. Howdy, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the podcast. We are laying in a town right now that is escaping me, Bernie, (laughs) (laughs) California. And um, we zeroed here today. We're going to head out tomorrow. But last podcast we did, we hung out with Jay the Trail Angel. Outside Jay. Outside Jay at the trailhead um, as we left Chester. So that was the last time we were in. It's been four days since then. Uh, Five days now because we zeroed today. And the past section was... Ooh, playing chess and drinking whiskey. Oh, yeah. Post-podcast, we'll join you. Yep, we'll be out. So, um, this section was tough. I had one of my worst days on trail, uh, rolling into Cash 22, which is a great name for a water cache. <laughs> um, just, I have this big abrasion on the side of my foot. It's really been bothering me. Uh, with every step I take, it stings. It's very sensitive. Um, so I have some gauze pads to take care of it. But we've stepped through a, a ton of burn area. And I think that's probably part of it. And uh, I think you've had some rough burn area days too. Yeah. Just uh, getting even to the midpoint, which is what we hit very recently as well. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but I did a solo pod that day. Um after the midpoint as we were hiking into Chester because it was by far one of my most mentally difficult days on trail. I was really struggling and I think, I mean, we've done this before, early in the desert, we were both having um, that day where we did 22 miles for the first time and the last two miles sucked and we recorded it because we were like, let's like not write it down, but talk about this because, you know, this hike has been amazing. We've had so much fun, but there are days that just suck, like where it's really hard physically and emotionally too um and i was talking about how i had the same kind of foot abrasion issue and a lot of it we do think is because we're going through the burn area because it hasn't happened to us anywhere else but it it does it stinks when every single step you take your foot you know know, the skin just hurts yeah it's different than a blister sort of expected to get blisters again considering the pain and i was like wow i must be developing a blister but then you look at your foot and it's literally just abrading your skin is the best way you can describe it. It's not creating a blister, really. Yeah, and it sucks because like we know how to deal with blisters at this point. Yeah, you can lance them and you can thread them and um, relieve that pressure. But the abrasions are just a wound more um, than a blister. So they sting and... Um, they're they're very very sensitive similar to a blister it's just frustrating to deal with them yeah i it's difficult too because obviously we're both or anybody on this trail is individually responsible for their own kind of emotions and well-being and how they're doing um but when you're hiking especially with one of your best friends like it sucks to see someone that's hurting right like so that day that you came into cash 22 at the end of a long day and it's also been so hot so hot really hot so you came in I could just tell, and you know, you had shared it had been a bad day, and, and like, 
You just want to be able to make it better for other people, and you can't. No, it's impossible. You can do little things, I suppose, but it everybody has to hike their own hike, too, and everybody has bad days. It's just going to happen. And um, that day, I had woken up, um, left camp, uh, was hiking alone for a, quite a while, and I got really bad stomach pain. Um, I've been struggling with it for the past couple days after I eat, um, sort of right above my belly button. I just get this sharp pain, um, and it's really frustrating in it. On the pain scale, I'd give it about, at its worst, about a five, so just moderate, I would say, but very distracting. Like, I can't do anything but think about it, because um, it's right there, and it makes me not want to hike. It makes me want to sit down and just, like, curl up in a ball, <laughs> because it hurts, and um, I started the day with that. Um, I think it's probably dehydration-related. After talking to someone on trail, uh, Half Pint, her dad is a physician, and talked to him on the phone today about that specifically, and then um, broke a trekking pole tip about 20 minutes later. <laughs> lost uh, a contact that morning, too. And I lost a contact lens, so I was just not in a good mood um, coming into the lava tubes, which were awesome, but really just my soul that morning and then um, with the abrasion on my foot getting worse and worse throughout the day I um, rolled into cash 22 just completely dead and with a ripped sock refused to continue from there yeah and ripped my sock too my darn tough sock just tore in half it's pretty amazing yeah and I don't remember how many miles we did that day I could look back um but usually before we go into town, we try to do a little bit of a bigger day, which it's kind of like you earn almost a double zero or at least a Nero into zero if you do more miles the day before so that you have a shorter day physically into town. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. And that actually that night was the first night that we did not camp at the same spot on the entire trail. Yep. So I stayed at that cache. Um, which is where we were planning to camp before, but everybody was feeling a bit better than I was and wanted to get into town uh, early. So I got to that cache and um, after I noticed that most people were, were gone, I was like, oh, they must be wanted to move on. So you told me, yep, people want to do another three. And like, sitting there yeah. thinking about doing three or a little bit more than three miles was just like unfathomable. Like there is no way I can make it and be sane and do three miles. I would be crawling to camp because uh, my feet hurt so bad. So I ended up staying there, and I think that was the right call for me. Oh, for um, sure. And it's interesting, too. Like, I did not sleep all that night. I think for a lot of reasons. One, the heat. Two, the bugs. Three, I cowboy camped when I should have set up my tent. Um, like, the list goes on. But I think part of it, too, was just, again, first night on trail where, like, you were not within eyesight <laughs> of me. Um, yeah. That was the first night, 1,400 miles in, because we hit the 1,400-mile mark that morning. Yeah. The next morning. This is insane. But, yeah, that was the first night on trail that uh, we didn't physically sleep in the cam same campsite. Yeah. And in the last two weeks or so, 
um, I ended up picking up a tent. So we've been sharing a shelter, Z-Pax Triplex, yeah. since the beginning of the trail. And nothing has gone necessarily wrong, nope. but just at the same time, like wanting to have some of your own personal space at the end of the night. Every, I don't think we've actually met anyone else sharing a shelter on trail, have we? Um, I think that there are. I actually saw in VVR, I got, I saw three dudes get out of a, a three-person <laughs> shelter, which you was wild. Um, so people are sharing shelters on trail. I don't think we're, we've hiked with anybody who's sharing one. I Like Nitro and Jurassic Park are, but they're oh, married. Yeah, yeah so that's true. That makes sense. Um, most people are staying in a one-person tent. Yeah, and that's been interesting. So I've been watching all these different people staying in their tents at the end of the night, you know, their one-person tent, um, and especially watching other women. It was probably a number of weeks ago now, right? We were camping with the pool noodle crew a lot, um, and there's a bunch of, you know, solo female hikers in that group, and I was watching them at the end of the day set up their own shelters and kind of break down in the morning and get going, and I was just kind of looking at it with this, like, small sense of kind of desire for that, and I was like, oh, that's interesting, and I just kind of followed that for a while, um, played it through my own mind and was like, I, th- I think I want to do that for, for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, just have space at the end of the day to do your own thing, to decompress and printed. I picked up my tent in Sierra city, which was a little bit of a nightmare by itself. But you know, that aside the first, I think four or five days after picking it up, I didn't even use it because we were getting into so, camp late. I just cowboy camped. Yeah, it might've been more than that. It might've been like more than four or five days. Yeah. It was probably closer to like a week. It was pretty insane. You had, um, yeah, probably. I mean, did you go a full resupply without even using it from Sierra city to Chester Quin- or to Quincy? Quincy? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I could totally see that. Yeah. Cause we just got into camp ate dinner, went to bed. A lot of us cowboy camp too, which helps make you want a cowboy camp as well. Oh yeah. Like if other people are cowboy camping around you, you kind of do it too. Make a big puddle of people. Yep. Or big make a big puddle. row. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah. But it's one of those things too, like, you know, part of this whole journey and the podcast and me is all about walking towards fear. And I found, even when I found like, hey, I think I'd like my own space and we had a conversation about it for sure because like we talk about everything always yeah um i had even noticed like i was a little bit fearful to like break out so to speak and like have my own tent my own space and like kind of have to do it all by myself which is interesting because like it hasn't been hard or challenging but like there was definitely fear there for me because we've been doing everything together but I think doing it and walking towards that fear. Yeah, once you got your own tent. Yeah, has already. I mean, the first time I pitched it, it looked so sad. I don't know if I saw it the first time because I remember it. When was the first time you pitched it? When we camped at the border of Lassen Volcanic Park. Okay, yes, I do remember that. It looked sad. That's when you saw the bear a couple times that day, right? Yeah, so we were leaving. Um, there was some trail magic that we hit that day from this awesome woman named Chanel. And we were leaving. A bunch of the people we're hiking with have not seen bears yet. And yeah. this is my fourth bear that I've seen. And I was hiking by myself. 
and I saw this bear three times. The first time I stopped and was like, oh, is that a, that, that, oh, that's a bear. And um, like, you know, saw it, recognized it as a bear and uh, it ran away. Like I didn't have to do anything. It just kind of, I think, recognized me. It took off up trail though. So as I kept walking, I got closer to it again because it went in the direction I was heading. And that time, all of a sudden it was looking at me and like it wasn't leaving this time. So I was doing the like, hey bear, hey bear, like get out of here, like get out. And apparently someone ahead of trail heard me and was like, hey, are you okay? But I didn't hear that because I was so hyper-focused on trying to get this bear out of my way. Um, so after a while it took off and then the third time, I kind of came up on it, but it was far enough away and it didn't seem to be paying attention to me. So I was like, if I just keep going, I think it should be fine. But I ran into this bear three times by myself, right at the border of Lassen Volcanic Park. Not far from camp. Not far from camp. Um, and you and I are both still, and Topo, of course, are still carrying our bear cans. Yeah, So that makes me feel a bit more comfortable. And I think, I don't do you have a desire to get rid of your bear can? Um... I have a desire for it to be a little bigger. (laughs) (laughs) I often buy food, pack it, and I still have extra, which kind of defeats the purpose of it unless I do a bear hang. Um, So like this resupply even. Like I have a bag of rice that doesn't fit. I have a bag of um, Fritos. (laughs) My Fritos don't fit. Like stuff like that um, that's kind of bulky in the quart size bags the fact that they don't fit is kind of frustrating so I wish it was just a little bit bigger but other than that no I do not have a desire to get rid of it I I don't mind it like it doesn't provide a detriment to my hike I don't think at all yeah me either I like being able to put it outside and not think about it yeah so you know when we're in the Sierra everybody had to carry bear cans most people I haven't seen anybody else carrying theirs we still are I like mine. I like the way my pack packs when I have it in my pack. And at the same time, it provides a little extra structure and rigidity to my pack, uh, which just feels nice, actually, when I'm hiking. Um, Obviously, I had back surgery. Like, just, I didn't think I'd like it so much, but I do. It's walk haul heavy. It's at 2.2 pounds, which is almost like a day, a little more worth of food by itself. So if you're doing a three-day carry, just by having your bear can, you're essentially doing a four-day food carry weight-wise. Yeah. Um... But I don't know if I would even notice if someone, like, took two pounds out of my pack while I was moving. So. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't because I got rocks put in my pack not that (laughs) long ago. And they were probably more than two pounds and I didn't notice for a long time. Yeah, we're hiking with a fun group. Yeah. I'm glad that hasn't happened again. Yeah. And it's one of those things, too. Like, everybody that we're hiking with, we're still with a pretty chunky group of people. Um, They don't have bear cans. So, one, if a bear comes into camp, it's likely not going to go for the bear cans. It's going to go for the bag of food that's in somebody's tent with them. Um, yeah. And then they'll get to see their bear, finally. Yeah, I almost hope that it goes after our bear cans first because they're out in the open. And then um, I've always heard the the uh, the story that football players always love having marks on their helmet because it means that they have like uh experience you know like the guy with the like all nicked up helmet is like a badass so i feel like i want that to happen to my bear can like <laughs> my bear can's all <laughs> torn up because a bear got through it that'd be kind of cool all my stickers are ripped off or something um 
Not that I really want a bear to play with my food, but it would be a really interesting story. And uh, I hope for the best case scenario in that, you know, it doesn't get my food. It, it definitely won't if it's in the bear can. And it doesn't go for anyone else's once it figures out it can't get mine. Yeah, we were talking actually about this with Ranger Adam in Yosemite. He was awesome. You guys heard him on the pod a while back. And he was even saying, he's like, okay, imagine being a bear, right? All day long, you're bobbing around, eating, like, shrubs and insects. Yeah. And then there's a hiker around, and they drop something. Or they're in camp, and their food's not, you know, hung properly. And you get a Snickers bar. Like, your brain would light up like nothing else ever has. Like, you essentially become, like, an addict. It would be, a, like, a change. He said it was, like, a physical chemical change in yes. your brain. That's like, oh, my God, I need more of that. <laughs> because that was so good. So good. Yeah. So, if you're eating insects all the time and you get a Snickers bar, you're going to want more Snickers bars. I mean, who wouldn't? And then that bear just keeps basically becoming a nuisance. Yeah. And then that they say a fed bear is a dead bear. Um, which is sad. Bear cans are prevented or provided. What am I saying? Um, bear cans were created to protect bears. Yeah. And not your food. Yeah, not your food. Like, sure, it would suck if you had to hike a day or so without food, but you'd live. But a bear that gets into your food likely will not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because as soon as they get that food, they're going to go, oh, my God, I need more of this. And they will go for other hikers' food much more easily. Um, either they'll wait in that area where you camped and just wait for another group to come in the night after and then create a pattern of nuisance um, nuisance problems and then, you know, be trapped or something and, and relocated, hopefully, or killed. But that's not what you want. And um, I'm actually very surprised how many people have started this trail not really caring to bear hang they just want to sleep with their food all the time me too i mean again i'm carrying my bear can partly because it just works well with my pack partly because i care about the bears and we're still i mean we're in bear territory the whole trail like that doesn't stop the only time we really weren't was in the desert and we both slept with our food uh, pretty close by yeah i just hung it on a tree so a mouse didn't get it yeah but so yeah, saw another bear. I did some night hiking a couple nights ago, and I saw some centipedes. Maybe they're millipedes. I don't know. I didn't mm-hmm. count the legs, but it was a bug with a lot of legs. But you were, uh, we got off topic from your tent. You've been oh, yeah. enjoying your, your first setup was rough, you said. Yes. But after that, I mean, I think you need more stakes. You have the minimum amount of stakes. I do need more stakes for sure. Um, and where we are right now in Bernie, like the quote gear store is not, not <laughs> a gear store it's fine yeah i had darn tough socks i got darn tough socks today um after mine ripped but it it doesn't seem like the store that would sell mini groundhog steaks like you want from a massar like that is a pretty specialty item yeah and honestly even if it's not like mini groundhogs that's okay but just something that's light um with the shepherd hooks sometimes you can also find steaks on trail because people will like lose them yeah i found a couple yeah some titanium ones i think too Mm -hmm. some nice steaks really light so i'll get some at some point but for the most part as long as it's not raining i kind of want to say the pitch of your tent doesn't really matter 
As long as you're okay with the space inside. Yeah, and, and I'm a are. fairly small person, and the tent fits me. Yeah. It seems like a cozy little, like, single room. You can't really do anything in there. There's minimal room for activity. Yeah. And Whereas you have all the room And for so activity. now, since she got her own tent, I have the triplex. And so there's been a ton of people talking to me about, oh, you should sell the triplex online and then buy a duplex, which is a two-person tent, um, which actually a lot of people on trail use for themselves because you can keep yourself and then maybe some gear in there with you. It's a little bit bigger than a one-person. Um, but And that's part of the reason we got the triplex is because we thought, oh, there's so many people that use the duplex for themselves. We should just get the triplex and then have plenty of space. And, and we did. We did. And luckily, the reason I haven't had the urge to do that is because the triplex weighs such a minuscule amount more than a duplex or a soloplex. It's not worth me getting a new tent um, on trail just because it's smaller. Because the weight of that tent is like just over a pound. It's like insane to be a gram weenie over a few hundred dollar tent um, if you're going to lose a few ounces I'm not spending six hundred dollars to yeah. do that and honestly my thought process when I was looking and trying to figure out like okay if I'd like to get a shelter like what do I want to get I had a two person tent at home um, it's a freestanding tent so you know typically what you think of it has like tent poles and you set it up but the one that we have the triplex is a non freestanding tent mm -hmm. which is a, it's a, called the trekking pole tent so you use your hiking pole to set it up, and there's no like tent poles. It just kind of stakes out pretty nicely. And I thought about getting a duplex because so many people use them, but because we're hiking in a bit of a larger group too, and sometimes getting a tent site with you know that much yeah. space, I was like, okay, I don't need it to be super roomy. I just need it to kind of house me and keep me away from the bugs, mostly. Um, like I'll just get the siloplex because I also don't have a single person tent. So even when I go home, you know, if I ever do another through hike, I could use it. Or just having a single person tent as someone who hopefully might start doing a little bit more solo backpacking because that feels scary and something fun to do when I'm back uh, was a cool opportunity. So I think I did out the math and if I, you look at the price of the tent that I bought on like a nightly basis from here until the end of the trail, mm -hmm. it's like pretty cheap. So yeah, it's like rent. If you think about it in a rent yeah. aspect or a lease to own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like per night, how much does it cost to actually live in this thing? Um, yeah, it probably is pretty cheap. Yeah. And the triplex, I mean, we split the cost of that. And since I'm just using it for myself now, I have so much room. It's insane. Um, the hardest part about using the tent is finding a spot. Um, a big enough tent spot for it because it's I would call it a three-person tent if you really like the two other people that are in it with you um, as most tents are usually like a two-person tent is Squishy. pretty damn tight for two people um, and this three-person tent would be really tight for three people you'd also need to be kind of in a perfect spot I think you'd have to have a, an excellent pitch basically you'd have to have no slack in any of the corners um, basically no compromises for where stakes are placed and where uh, what angle the poles are at, things like that would kind of have to be perfect. And it's almost impossible to get a really perfect spot out here because it's the natural ground. It's 
some of it's mostly flat, but chances are you'll find a spot that doesn't have a great, you know, corner stake, and uh, you have to improvise a little bit. Yeah, there have been times um, setting up the triplex where, like, one particular guy line for the tent, like, there's a rock there, so you have to tie it to a tree on that instead yeah. of, like, actually staking it to the ground. There's always some creative solution finding. Yeah. So I've been able to, you know, set up my sleeping pad and my pillow and my, my quilt and everything on one side, and then... I can lay out clothes and um, like toiletries and stuff, like my contacts, contact solution, and uh, any tape that I, if I like taped up my feet, any clothes I'm gonna wear the next day, over on the on the other side of me, with uh, with plenty of space to do whatever I want as well. There's even more space than I need for sure. Yeah, you are living like a king at the moment. Yeah, the Taj Mahal, as Temple calls it. Yeah. I think we've said that on the podcast before, but it's the perfect name for it. It really is a castle, especially by myself. Um, and it's not as bad to fold as I thought. I figured it was going to be quite the monster to wrap up uh, in the morning, but it's not too bad, as long as it's not windy. Yeah. I'd have to leave it staked in on one side if it was windy, and then fold it up that way, and then take the stakes out as I folded but so far I've gotten lucky. And it's nice too, because if we get to a tent spot where maybe it is, you know, a squishier fit, I can always still crash. Be like, I'm coming in tonight. Even the other night, um, I think I mentioned this in my solo pod, coming out of Quincy, Crypto and I left at like noon and did 25 miles. So I got there at like 10.30 PM. And you had said, oh, like, yeah. oh I was hoping you were gonna see the triplex uh, because like it was already set up like if you just wanted to come in and crash yeah but i had a shitty pitch that night too <laughs> it was so <laughs> bad i mean you would have fit it would have been fine because it's a three person but it was not good like because everybody was i rolled in late too yeah everyone was already set up so i got the crappiest spot that i could find um or the best spot that i could find but it was still crappy and that night i just like threw my stuff on the ground and slept outside yeah you cowboy camped i think yeah because I woke up the next morning and I saw your hat yeah, sticking I out of your sleeping bag. I slept in a little bit because um, I had gotten in late. Yeah. But, it, again, because it's getting so hot, like, I think it's hotter than the desert. Yeah, I think so, too. Because in the desert, I remember us siestaing when it would hit 90, 80s, high 80s and 90, uh, low 90s. And that was only a few days, really that we maybe a week or two that we had those kind of temperatures and it's been those temperatures for the past week on trail yeah like mid 90s and yeah mid to low 90s and it's brutal and we're hiking all day like we're not taking siestas we're just we're taking lunches but it's not nearly as long as we were taking in the desert like four hours or something yeah so i'm even starting to think about like doing the thing where we're, I'm getting up really early again to try to beat some of the heat. Yeah. And that's what sucks, too. In the desert, you know, you'd get up and it'd be pretty cool in the morning. Yeah, it'd be so nice. It'd be like 55 in the morning. And Perfect hiking like temperature. 60s plus, yeah. even in the morning. Yeah, it'd be like 65 or 70, which is warm enough to be in a shorts and a t-shirt, no problem, right when you get up. I remember in the desert most of the time, I would start in my sweatpants and my R1 because I was cold. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be in shorts and a t-shirt. It was quite literally too cold to be in them. Yeah, because a lot of times in the morning I would wake up and start hiking just to warm up. 
And that felt so good to me. I loved those moments. And then you watch the sun come up, and the sun would hit you and warm you up pretty quick. But those maybe hour and a half or two hours before that would happen uh, were my favorite hiking hours of the day. And we're also drinking so much water. Like, you can't stay hydrated enough. It's really hard. Yeah. I want to say I've been drinking six liters a day, which is a gallon and a half in U.S. terms. It's insane. So it's one of those things, like, we just hit halfway, which is insane, and we were just looking at, actually, um, we did some intense laundry stripping today. Oh, yeah, we did. We were talking about the last time we did that, which is essentially, like, you wash your clothes, and then you put them in a tub, you let them soak for, like, six hours with, like, a whole bunch of detergent and detergent enhancers. Last time we did that was 700 miles ago. Yeah. And 700 miles ago was, you know, um, almost at Kenny Meadows which if you listen to the plot, maybe you remember Kennedy Meadows, Kennedy Mentos. Kennedy Mentos South. Like it just, it feels like it was so long ago, but it also feels like it was yesterday. Yeah, I feel like I remember sitting at Kennedy Meadows South thinking about your quilt, because that's where you got your synthetic quilt. Yeah. Someone's knocking at the door, I'm gonna go let them in. Hold okay. on. We had to let Beetle inside. He has to go pee or something probably. Probably. There was a beetle at the door. <laughs> so yeah, we did some laundry stripping today. Um, and it was worth it because the tub was black. It was gross. <laughs> it was like a mud puddle. That's what Topo called it. I agree. It was absolutely disgusting. And that was after things were put through the wash. That was after wash cycle in the washing machine. So a lot of people right now are kind of at the point where we're trying to figure out, like, do we need new clothes, like new shorts, new shirts, new sun hoodies, like you name it. A lot of people right now are kind of at the point where some of their gear is starting to fail just because we have used it for 1400 miles. So even for me being here in Bernie, the hip belt on my pack had started to get some holes in it. And I keep things in my hip belt pockets that I need to be accessible. So like, for instance, I keep my toothbrush and toothpaste in there. I keep my bug net, I keep my buff, um, a couple other things too, but you know, like the important bits and I was starting to get holes in them. So Gray Knight Gear actually sent me a new hip belt here, which was awesome. But like, just, you're starting to see, I think, gear breaking down. We are now trying to figure out logistics on trail of where can I send this stuff ahead of me. Did you get a free hip belt? I did. Why? Did you see mine? I'm so I know, but I'm just shocked that they gave you a free one. It's not like it failed because it wasn't made right. Like, you used it for 1,400 miles. Of course it's breaking. <laughs> I'm impressed. Yeah, Granite Gear's been awesome. Even before yeah. the trail, I had lost the brain to my pack. And they, you know, I messaged them. Granted, it wasn't free. It was like 20 yeah. bucks. But so. it's not something they sell separately, and they, they sold me one. So the brain on my pack is the the buckles are different. I don't know if you noticed this. Yeah, but like there's a gray color. and blue buckles that go together instead of blue and blue buckles. And now my hip belt is black and gray instead of blue and gray. So I have a little bit of a Franken pack going on. I think it's cool. I think it's cool too. Makes it special. That pack has seen some shit. So did you just send them pictures of the hip belt and said this is what's going on? And they said okay, we'll send you a replacement. Yeah, they had me put in all the information of kind of. They sent me basically like a, a warranty form. 
Yeah. So I put in my order number and I purchased this pack years ago and I've done some backpacking with it before even coming out here. But um, they've had great customer service. They worked with me and they got it to me on trail. So they asked you for your or- your old order number, like when you had ordered it years ago? Yeah, so I actually, REI tracks all of your purchases. Yeah. So I had to go back through all of my different REI purchases, which was a walk down memory lane. I bet. Um, got that and all the information, what was going on with it, and they sent me a new one. That's great. I can't even remember where I bought mine because I, I bought that pack as a recommendation from you, mm. um, and I've really enjoyed it. I haven't thought about getting a new pack at all on trail. And you have used yours more than mine, which makes sense for the wear and tear, but I have not um, found that I need to replace anything on that pack. It seems to be pretty good. I mean, there's some wear spots on the hip belt from where things move and and rub together constantly, which is normal. Yeah. But no larger than a pea-sized hole on um, just some of the seams or fabric or something that really wouldn't be any detriment it just doesn't look fantastic yeah and then i have some holes so the side of my pack has two water bottles like sleeves holders on each side and i've put my trekking poles in them so there's holes at the bottom oh you put the tips down instead of up yeah you also have slightly different ones than i do i think they might have designed that pack a little bit differently since or between our purchases so like mine are um, they're not mesh like yours. They are like a stiffer material, I'd call it, uh, similar to what the rest of the pack is made out of, like yeah. a nylon rather than a mesh water bottle pocket. And it just seems to work a little bit better. Yeah, for, yours are a bit for wear. too. Yeah. Um, and I really wouldn't worry too much about putting things through the mesh <laughs> because they're just, I think it's a little thicker basically yeah i agree but similar to you i really enjoyed my pack um i think it's a good kind of middle of the ground or middle of the range rather it's not ultra light but it's not a super heavy pack and it's funny too you know i still remember first getting into backpacking and talking about ounces and being like nobody counts ounces oh yeah and then out here people literally count grams i mean you mentioned it earlier right people get called gram weenies yeah and it's funny what people will carry and what they won't yeah, like Topo was asking me how much my sweatpants weigh. Like I wear pants at night to protect, you know, because they're warm. And uh, it also protects the quilt from the oils on my skin. And when I wear those sweatpants, I didn't really think about it when I brought them, how much they weigh. Uh, and Topo was like, do you know how much they weigh? Because he was thinking about getting a pair for himself. And I was like, actually, I have no idea. Like, I don't know. They just work. Like, I don't care how much they weigh. And then it's funny because milk, like, doesn't give a shit about pack no. weight at all. I love that. So it's so refreshing. He carries out stuff all the time, and his pack kind of just gets heavier and heavier. But And then Crypto, like, is always saying, like, no, that's too heavy. No, True. that's too heavy. It's the opposite. Yeah, he, like, won't carry water because his water's too heavy. I'm like, dude, it's water, please. He's like, one liter is one kilo. Yeah. It's, like, too much. So definitely more weight focused i think milk has carried out he's carried out at least two liters of milk two monster energies and champagne and water in one leave from town his pack must have weighed like 40 pounds 
probably more. Yeah. I remember him struggling that day, too, and he was like, oh, my goodness, I'm so slow. <laughs> and I remember Crypto basically being like, yeah, you have, like, like 10 full pounds of liquid in there that you don't need. <laughs> it's all luxury items. That but that's what he fun. wanted. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the midpoint. So we we all keep joking now that we've had so much fun at our midpoint celebration, which was also Milk's birthday. It was also town day, and it was also their three month trail anniversary, which we just hit ours. Um, our three month trail anniversary was yesterday. Yeah. But we're trying to figure out how we can outdo our midpoint celebration for our end. Our northern terminus celebration. I know. That was a pretty good celebration because we had a pinata. Zelda brought a pinata. We filled it with Starburst and Werther's Originals. And then we had uh, whiskey. Shots of whiskey. We had shots of whiskey and we had... Uh, champagne showers. Champagne. Yeah. That was pretty amazing. We definitely All at the, the midpoint. Yeah, we definitely did. There was a lot of people um, or a couple people that walked through while we were there took some pictures and left but we took our time had some fun took some pictures and i think zelda has a whole video of us all sitting there and taking wild pictures together at the midpoint sign and i left that a little bit early because that's the day that i was really struggling i was moving slow that day yeah you had a similar problem that i do on the side of my foot between your toes right with abrasions yeah it was the ball of my foot so i think i had mentioned like when i had blisters on my heels I could walk in a way that was, it looked dumb, but it relieved some of the pain and the pressure. But where the current spot is, I can still feel it a bit, not nearly as bad as it was. Um, no matter what I did, it, it hurt. Like there was no way for me to not step on like the ball of my foot. Yeah, that's like what touches the ground. <laughs> yeah. If it needs to in order to step. Exactly. Yeah, and it's amazing what you do to compensate that your body does automatically that you don't even think about. Yeah to compensate for the pain. So I was having problems with the inside, the arch of my left foot. So what my body was doing, and I didn't even notice it, was I was leaning more on the outside of that foot so my arch didn't take as much weight. And then after stepping for so many um, miles on the outside of my foot to relieve the pain, the outside of my foot began to hurt because that's not normal. I shouldn't be walking like that. I shouldn't be putting weight all my weight on the outside of my foot it should be distributed evenly and if you distributed it evenly it would hurt both the outside and the inside now because I was hurting so it was frustrating trying to tell my body just to step normally and to sort of feel that pain because it's just going to create other problems if I compensate yeah compensation injuries suck because it just all of a sudden you have like layers of problems. Yeah, that's how it feels too. All of a sudden you're like, oh, my heel's starting to hurt. Am I heel striking more? Yeah, you're already heel striking more because you don't want to stomp and hurt the already abraded skin on your heel on your arch. And then the outside of my foot was hurting. It was my whole left foot was just a mess coming in. And I think it's tough too because for a while our bodies were feeling really good. We're like, I mean, we've been tired and we've been sore but there haven't been any like true problems, I'll say. Things have been fairly routine. And then to kind of feel like I have to manage this thing again was tough. Yeah, there was a lot of managing pain this past 
um, which I didn't expect. I was hoping that foot pain would kind of be behind us and that my feet would be dirty at the end of the day, but not um, any lasting foot pain, whether it be the fascia or the skin. I figured my foot was just hardened at this point, and then it is not. Yeah, and that's the other thing that I actually, you saying that actually reminded me, I have to look ahead and figure out, we just got new shoes in Tahoe, but like where, when do we need new shoes again? I know. And where it's do we send them? Because that was 300 miles ago. Yep. So another 200 miles, I need new shoes again. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so crazy. But we're past halfway, which makes me sad. Yeah? Yeah. Does it make you excited? It makes me really excited that we're doing the thing. God, it's, it's so much of both. Okay. Like, I'm excited, and I just... I keep thinking about what my life will be like when this is over and it's like hard for me to to think about yeah I I've thought a little bit about that I have like a very rough idea but I don't really know right so it's not worth like really fumbling over because I'll I know that I'll just kind of figure it out like it'll fall into place I'll make decisions as they come and have like a general plan as to what I want to do and how I feel about my job and um, where I want to be but I'm so focused on this that I, th I think it was way more excitement for me to be halfway and like truly be closer to Canada than Mexico, which is wild. That's so crazy. <laughs> it, it really is crazy, and I feel like I'm so proud of my body. Like, my feet do what they ask, Oof. like I asked them to do. And Amazing. Just the fact that people can do this. And honestly, like we've met people like Quadzilla who are doing these crazy feats. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very excited, and I was very happy, and I was was doing my best to celebrate the midpoint even though I'd had a tough day yeah but also being like and there's that sense of like it's bittersweet that's the best word I have for it is that it was bittersweet because you don't want to stop walking yeah I don't want it to be over <laughs> okay gotcha so it's more of the like this big memory feels like it can come to an end now like it the fact that we're halfway is such a big milestone that is going to be less than the time it took to get here, if that makes sense. Right? Yeah, just the fact that, like, at some point this will be gone. But the crazy thing, too, it feels like the Mexican border was forever ago. It does. Like so I know that there's still a lot of time left, like, on this trail, and I'm enjoying every moment that I can. I'm trying to be very present and enjoy it and engage with it. Um, while also recognizing that, like, I just, I'm not ready for it to be over. No. I totally get it. I just, uh, I totally had the excitement. Yeah. Like, oh my god, the northern terminus is now closer than the Mexican border. That's yeah, and we're getting close to Oregon. We're almost done with California. 300 miles, and we'll be done with Oregon. Uh, we'll be done with Oregon. We'll be done with California. Which is also a huge milestone because California is a huge chunk of this trail. 
It's yeah. over half of it, obviously. So, um, the fact that there's two smaller but not insignificant states left is coming very soon, probably within three weeks. What do you think you're most excited about for the second half of the trip? Second half of the trip, um, I gotta admit I'm kind of done with NorCal. <laughs> it's kind of beaten me up. Like ever since we've gotten to NorCal, I've just suffered way more than I hoped. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to the Cascades in Washington. Northern yeah. Cascades in Washington. I've just I've heard that rivals the Sierras, and I just everybody does, but I loved the Sierra. I loved that mm -hmm. section so much. I mean, it was so hard. Those passes were just the most magnificent thing I had ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah, like, by far. Yeah. I I remember standing there and being like, this is the most beautiful place I've ever been. Like, hands down, there's no question that this wins right now. And I felt like that every single day that we were there <laughs> for 300 miles. Yeah. Um, I just shook my head every single day when I would wake up and see what we were looking at. Yeah, it felt like a green screen. Yeah, it really did. It was just incredible. The scale of everything. You have no idea how big things are. Um, and they're, everything's always so much bigger than you expect. Everything. The pass in front of you, the mountains next to it. Everything is just out of perspective until you see a person standing up there and you're like, oh my god, they were going up that. Good yeah. god, it's going to take so long. And we did it. We did every single pass. Um, and we made it through. It was just, I missed that wow factor. Yes. And that's the thing, like, NorCal, people talk about the NorCal blues. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't feel like I've had the NorCal blues. I've still been pretty astounded by just the beauty that's everywhere on this trail. Yeah. And at the same time, <laughs> we're kind of in the world of small rocks right now. Like, this, the whole trail is just a whole bunch of small rocks. And it hurts I'm, the feet. I'm over that. Yeah, the scree is not your friend. I knew that too. Cause there, there was one time where I hiked behind you and you were just frustrated. And you're like, I don't like this. I think I yelled trail. like, I, I'm so done with small rocks. Yeah. But Which is not like you. You don't usually get frustrated, but you were frustrated that day and you're like, I'm so freaking done with these rocks. Yeah. I don't. Because they take all the energy out of you. You have to focus on every single step. Yeah, your momentum. Like, it's basically like walking on marbles. Yeah. Like, every time you step and you push down on your foot, like, your foot slips and you have to readjust and it just kind of saps your energy. And it just irritates me sometimes. And then the other day, I was just, I asked someone at lunch, I was like, have you ever been mad because it's so hot out? Like, yeah. I was just irritated that there was nothing I could do to cool down. Um, so yeah that's probably what I get most frustrated by uh, we're just talking with Beetle today that he he remembers standing in the wind farm in Tatchpee thinking about breaking his tracking poles he was so <laughs> angry at the wind um, and I totally get that although I loved the wind I, I don't know what it, what it was about it I think it kept me cool yeah I didn't like the, the wind either in the hot summer sun um, I did not mind the wind at all for and me it was the noise yeah that's true. It was very annoying. It was I felt in your like face. Could, yeah, I felt constantly. like I couldn't hear myself think. Um, it was pretty constant, too. It was every day, especially in that wind farm. Yeah. 
but for me it's the heat that gets to me yeah i think i mentioned that on trail not too long ago that i've just felt i'm just wet every single day yeah <laughs> that's all i am it's just and it's not good wet it's not like i just want <laughs> swimming it's like a i'm sticky bad and i'm salty yeah it's all sweat well that's the other thing too so the day that we left quincy and did 25 miles and you know starting at noon because we took one break at lunchtime which was 5 p.m i ended up getting like some chafe right at the bottom of where my pack sits on my lower back yeah and i'm hoping that'll be gone tomorrow when we leave because i've been putting stuff on it since we've been here taking the zero but same thing like when you're wet all the time like you have to worry about chafing and then there's like in general salt just all over you all the time and that can get abrasive like literally at the end of the day if you run your finger down your face like it there are salt crystals yeah you almost feel like uh like uh powdery yeah kind of <laughs> it's gross yeah it's really gross we've been very dirty it's not a nice powder not a nice powder not a nice wet <laughs> no and i was just sick of it going to bed and having like the lining of your pants be just soaking wet because you're sweating and there's no way for it to dry because that's where my pack sits or it's where everyone's pack sits like yeah. right above their tailbone and that sweat drips down into your into like the pants um the waistband of your pants and that for me, you can see it on these shorts, like these shorts were, um, we did the whole laundry soaking thing and they were washed today twice. They still are stained on the the waistline, just, um, just down below my lower back because of where my pack sits and how much I sweat there. It's constantly wet. Yep. So, this has been, I think, a long update. It has. We also haven't potted in a while. Yeah, it's been a hot minute, so we had a few things to share, that's for sure. Yeah. And then our next stop will be in Dunmuir. We both have packages going there. Mm -hmm. We'll spend a night, and then um, I think our next zero will be in possibly Etna. Yeah, Etna, California. And that'll be one stop before... Uh, Said Valley, which is the final resupply in California. And then we think we might zero or double zero in Ashland, Oregon to celebrate leaving California. <laughs> yep, I, I'm down. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> excellent. But for now, it is getting late, and we have to get up tomorrow and get yes. back on trail. Yeah, I'm ready for bed. I'm laying down right now. Yep. And, uh... I could fall asleep right in this position. So. <laughs> I feel like we both have the sleepy voices going. We do. I have to brush my teeth still. Me I too. can't quite fall asleep yet. A few more small chores. Teeth brushing. But with that, we'll pot again soon. And um, cheers to another day. <laughs> Here we go. Three months on trail. Woohoo! Bye.